This is a broadcast of SmallCapVoice.com, a financial communications and investor relations firm. SmallCapVoice.com receives payment for investor relations and financial consulting services that it provides to its clients. You should assume that officers, directors, and employees of SmallCapVoice.com or financial analysts mentioned and their families hold a position and intend to trade in these securities for their own accounts. This is not an offer or recommendation to buy or sell securities. Information in this broadcast is presented solely for informative purposes and is not intended to be nor should it be construed as investment advice. As in all investments, an investment in a featured company carries an investment risk. Listeners should review the company thoroughly with a registered investment advisor or registered stockbroker. This broadcast does not purport to be a complete study of the featured company or other companies mentioned. Information used and statements of fact have been obtained from the featured company and other sources but not verified nor guaranteed by smallcapvoice.com as to completeness or accuracy. Such information is subject to change without notice. You're wired in smallcapvoice.com. Following is a presentation of smallcapvoice.com, today's leader in investor relations, capital formation, and retail support. Now, with your online business briefing, smallcapvoice.com's Stuart T. Smith. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us once again here at smallcapvoice.com. You just heard, I'm your host, Stuart Smith, and we're joined once again today by Terratech Corp, traded under that ticker symbol TR. TC. We're lucky enough to be joined by the CEO of the company, Derek Peterson. Derek, how are you today? Hey, Stuart. Good. Thank you for uh, taking the call. Appreciate it. Absolutely. It's been, uh, well, it's something we've wanted to do for a while. We do have the earnings calls, listeners, for the past few quarters. They're up at our website. But right now, we wanted to check in with TerraTech because as many of you know, if not all of you know, there was a lot of ballot initiatives across the country that will have a direct effect on this company, TerraTech. So, you know, Derek, eight states passed legislation. How is that going to affect you in those states? In other words, which ones are you involved in? What's your exposure? Let's talk a little bit about that. Sure, sure. So we had nine states that were up to bat. You know, eight, uh, eight I would say, hit home runs. California, Mass, Nevada, and Maine all passed adult use recreational. Florida, Arkansas, Montana, North Dakota all passed medical. And Arizona was literally the only state that, uh, that they didn't get enough uh, passage. So it was, a, it was a pretty major story. and was a huge milestone and a huge step forward for the industry. It obviously got lost in kind of... The, the PR chaos of the presidential election in and of itself, it got buried underneath that, but it was a massive story, and it was a, it was a huge kind of showing of what the constituents want from a national perspective. And I've said this before in conference calls and in interviews, that the majority of the population now wants regulated cannabis. All the Gallup polls, all the other polling, all the surveys that are taking place, it's well over half the voters. So this is a really, really good kind of uh, step forward from an optics standpoint for all the businesses in the space. Uh, from us, you know, it's very important in the markets and the demographics that we work in, specifically California and Nevada, which are our two primary markets. But we've had an appetite to go to Florida for a long time. Unfortunately, last time that uh, went up to bat, it was, uh, it was just a very limited CBD program that passed. So now they have broader, expanded medical. And Florida was a really interesting state because... It's a swing state. It's a very important state from a vote standpoint. And they needed 60% of the vote to pass a constitutional amendment. They got almost 70% of the vote for in favor of regulated cannabis there, which is a huge message. And it's a huge message to, to politicians upstream that this is what the voters want from an initiative standpoint. 
But to backtrack to California and Nevada for a second, California passed adult use and Nevada passed adult use by good margins, which is, for us, a huge catalyst for our business. California, we've got a very developed medical program that's 20 years old here. You can open up a facility, and that facility is going to do very, very well on the medical platform. Adult use should take us, uh, we should see a nice increase in business from adult use. But Nevada is a, was a limited medical program, and I don't mean limited by legislative structure. I mean limited in terms of the age of the, uh, of the uh, piece of legislation that's there. It's not 20 years old. It's just a couple years old. So there aren't a lot of patients, but that patient number is growing month by month over and over. So adult use passing in Nevada, and I've given this example before, it's like going from 10 miles per hour to 80. In California, it's more like 65 to 80. So for, it's a very accretive piece of legislation for us in the Nevada marketplace, and we're excited that one over anything else passed with 40-something million people traveling in and out of a few square miles every year. There's really only about 30 or 35 medical dispensaries that will be able to service the adult use market that are about five minutes, ten minutes away from the strip. We have three of those locations, so we're pretty excited about the passage of adult use, specifically in Nevada, but we're even more optimistic and excited about the message that voters sent and constituents sent upstream by passing eight out of the nine states that, uh, that were up for bat this election cycle. Well, let's talk about upstream then. Let's move on to the federal level. Let's talk about Jeff Sessions' appointment by Donald Trump and what that means in states regulating cannabis. Yeah, so Donald Trump appointed uh, Jeff Sessions, and a lot of people are reading you know, about him and his policy stance in terms of cannabis. And he has a very, very old-school um, position on cannabis and legalization. He doesn't like it, he's not for it, and that has rattled the industry. And it's rattled the uh, consumer base, and it's also rattled the, uh, the investors, entrepreneurs, and shareholder bases as well. It was scary to people. So what, I, what I've said is this multiple times. Trump has said on the campaign trail several times that he is supportive of states' rights when it comes to regulating cannabis. He is a states' rights president, period, exclamation point. He has immigration at risk. He's focusing on things like maybe potentially Roe v. Wade and turning abortion back to the states. So he's somebody that's very focused on allowing states to decide what they want in, 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 from a regulatory standpoint within their framework, within their borders. Tenth Amendment-focused, same thing with Jeff Sessions. So... One of the things our team did as soon as he was, you know, appointed, and we actually think he'll be a confirmed because, you know, both sides of the aisle seem to be not having a ton of issues with him over and above his kind of archaic stance on, on drugs and legalization. We, we, you know, we had our team look at his Facebook page, and if you go look at the posts on his Facebook page over the last year, it was solely focused on immigration. There wasn't a single comment on there about legalization, anything out of Colorado. He did make a comment last April, but we can tell from that it's certainly not a primary focus of his, first and foremost. And we would have a, a tremendously different discussion right now if we didn't wake up after the day of the elections and have eight of these nine states. So now we've got over 60% of Americans living under regulated cannabis. There's tax revenue that's being generated, tens of thousands of jobs, billions of dollars of sales, and hundreds of millions of dollars of taxes. This is a tremendously difficult thing to unwind economically. It may very be very simple legally when you look at the fact that the Cole Memo is just a recommendation, the Rohrbacher Far Bill is uh, sunsetting, but economically speaking, it is a tremendous issue to unravel and unroll something like this because so many people are dependent on it. We have publicly traded stocks. We have tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of shareholders. This is, a, this is an embedded industry that's proven 
through growth and through quantitative data that those negative issues that a lot of people have been portraying about the industry just aren't true. UCI and RAND uh, did a joint-based study, and we're actually finding that opiate abuse in legalized states is dropping significantly. And I don't know if you just saw the teen use numbers coming out of Colorado. They've actually been slightly down. They're relatively flat, but they're slightly down. So cannabis use in regulated states of Colorado, we're seeing teen use dropping, which is the exact opposite of what the naysayers have been publicly saying for the last few years. So we're seeing a positive social impact, a positive economic and and fiscal impact. And that's an extremely difficult thing for any campaign, especially a first-term president who's dependent on swing states like Florida to unravel. So we're concerned about the appointment, absolutely, but we think he's going to do the right thing. And if you've seen some of the moves he's made recently, the appointment of Nikki Haley out of, uh, out of South Carolina as the U.N. ambassador, he went head-to-head with her. You know, she's a female. She's a minority. She had the Confederate flag removed from the state capitol. She's known for that. Uh, I don't know if you saw the pictures the other day with uh, Steve Bannon, who's been the very controversial strategist appointment, was meeting with Mark Cuban, who was, went head-to-head with Trump during the campaign. We saw Peter Thiel uh, being appointed. Peter Thiel is a huge investor into the cannabis and an advocate for the cannabis em- industry. We've seen him vacillate and move back and forth on climate change, on whether or not he was going to prosecute Hillary. I think a lot of the rhetoric we've heard out of the Trump administration during the campaign cycle was things he needed to say to get elected. But he leans a lot more left than people understand. And I think he's a, he's a person that understands business. He's a person that understands job creation. You know, certainly he wants to tighten the borders up, but the economic stimulation that this industry is bringing to the United States is bigger and growing at a faster rate than any other industry that exists in our space to, to date. Well, we talked about the federal level. Let's move back to the states and touch on those new states. What will your interest be in the, some of those new states that had this uh, new ballot initiatives pass? Yeah, so we're, we're continuing to expand in California. Um, you know, people, again, people have been rattled and concerned over this appointment. We wake up every day, we put our pants on, and we go to work. And our work and our, and our design has not changed one iota from this. As a matter of fact, we've gotten even more aggressive. So we're looking in California, for example, for short-term accretive acquisitions on a retail level is also on a cultivation level. We want to expand the Bloom footprint. We want to expand the IVEX brand, as I've always said. In Nevada, we're really excited. We think the adult use legalization is going to be implemented before summer is what we're hearing out of the legislative and governing bodies in the state. We, we thought it would be a lot later than that, but they want the tax revenue associated with it. So we're ramping up for that. We're, we're getting more aggressive on the build-out of the cultivation facility there in Nevada. And now we're starting to pay attention to Florida. So that's a huge demographic for us, huge population density, a significant marketplace. So we'll be looking probably at our next step being towards the Florida market. We're avoiding some of the smaller states right now, strictly because of bandwidth issues. You know, for us to go develop in a smaller market, it takes just as much energy. We'd rather have the economies of scale in the bigger marketplaces, like I said, Florida, Nevada, and California. If we can execute properly there, we can build a sizable and substantial business. Outstanding. Well, then now, as we wrap up 2016 and we look forward to 2017, what would be your outlook? Obviously, we're in some uncertain times, but you've done an excellent job of nailing down what's rhetoric, what's politics, and what's policy, or at least potential policy. How do you see things unfolding for you and TerraTech in 2017? We're in a good position. We've removed a lot of debt from the uh, from the books. We've raised a tremendous amount of cash. Our objective is to continue to reduce debt, raise cash to be able to execute on our our 
expansion model, both organically and through M&A activity. I think M&A activity is going to be one of our primary focuses, especially in the California marketplace, because California is extremely fragmented. Lots of mom and pops, huge opportunity for a roll-up there. That's our primary focus. But while we're doing all that, we have to be very, very focused on what's going on politically and legislatively. We pay a tremendous amount of attention to this. We've got great relationships with with uh, Congressman Dana Rohrabacher, who was helped put together the Rohrabacher Farr Bill, which defunded the uh, de- the DEA or from from the federal government using federal funds to go after people that were compliant under state programs. He's a huge voice, especially with the Trump campaign, in terms of leaving this up to states' rights. So we're making sure we're heavily embedded in politics. At the same time, we're also making sure we're out there executing on our business model. So that's our primary focus for 2017, continuing to help shape the political environment for the cannabis industry while executing on our business model for growth. Well, Derek, as always, it's a pleasure to have you here at smallcapvoice.com. Congratulations on a very successful and prosperous 2016. We look forward to great things from you and your company here in 2017. Thanks for your time here today, Derek. Stuart, thanks for having us on. We'll try to do a few more of these. I understand the political landscape is concerning to people overall, and we want to make sure that we're communicating what our stance is and some insight from our camp, and we'll try to do this periodically. Thanks for having us. All right, for Derek Peterson, this is Stuart Smith saying thanks so much for listening. Smallcapvoice.com, today's leader in investor relations, capital formation, and retail support, provides its clients with the highest level of service. Our audio interviews are disseminated to one of the largest opt-in audiences available today. How? We at smallcapvoice.com believe in aligning and affiliating ourselves with other leaders within the investor relations community. By sharing resources, each affiliated firm is made that much stronger and each client is served that much better. Our focus is to identify and provide the very best financial services and solutions available to clients and their shareholders. For more information about our services, please call us at 512-267-2430 or visit us on the web at www.smallcapvoice.com.